Hey everybody, welcome to TCP Talks with Jonathan Baker and Justin Broadley from The Cloud Pod. In this series, we're bringing you interviews with the best and brightest leaders and heroes from the tech and cloud industry. Today's podcast includes a paid promotion. All opinions remain our own. Well, we are joined here today by Patrick Osterhaus, CTO at Proterra. Would you like to introduce yourself? Happy to. Hey, thanks for having me, Jonathan and Justin. I'm Patrick Osterhaus. I'm CTO and founder of Proterra Technologies, and we're a preeminent SAP provider of services for cloud companies looking to run their SAP systems the best. That's great. SAP is one of those very large enterprise applications that everyone knows a little bit about, uh, but unless you're day-to-day supporting it, managing it, maintaining it, uh, it may be a black box. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, how do you see the cloud influencing SAP and these legacy um, enterprise software packages as we now move into this cloud world? How does it change? Great question. So a little bit about, about ourselves, and I'll, I'll preface that to answer this question is uh, we were actually reached out by one of the cloud providers back in 2011 to help certify that infrastructure platform to run SAP. Uh, it was a quite a big, big jump then. And, you know, and still there's this after effect after this decade of companies putting SAP first in the cloud and how it's best done. So to answer your question around um, you know, how has SAP been affected about moving to cloud? I think it's, you know, it, it's certainly, as we see companies running SAP, there's a lot of peripheral systems that are integrated with SAP and the consideration maybe at first is maybe not move SAP, but they certainly always see that as if we're moving other applications, how will this affect, you know, what some, some people in IT consider the crown jewels of, of their uh, IT infrastructure investment is SAP. And so it always, we get this question eventually of how SAP should be moved along with these other apps. And so it's been, some companies have been on the forefront. They've moved almost, you know, eight years ago. Um, other companies are looking at now as they've moved more compute, uh, being file servers or Active Directory systems, as well as uh, the other ERP apps. Now they're looking to do for SAP. So we get a lot of questions around how the best to handle that migration, that approach to public cloud. So back in 2011, was the technology suitable in the cloud or, or did it take longer before what the cloud providers had to offer was going to work for HANA? Back then, uh, the largest memory, and this was you know, somewhat sizable back in 2011 was 224 gig. Uh, and that was the largest HANA system that could run. So it, it limited the use case, how many customers could actually move to cloud. Uh, there was another uh, you know, way that you could do this, and that is a, a technology called scale out, where basically you put these, uh, these databases as a, a you could, not a cluster exactly, but you could group them together. And basically you could put them in um, a grouping of up to 12, so that 12, uh, servers, each with 225 gigs of RAM, could actually scale up to three terabytes. So that was, you know, in 2011, that was state of the art for cloud. And now that's gone up to, you know, now the, the largest uh, VMs are capable of doing 20 terabytes. So in that last eight years, you know, it, it's it's been exponential growth and what's available for what we call scale up, meaning in one server. Um, but back then it was quite limitations, not just on the CPU, or not only on how big the memory could be on the system, but also the capability of the CPU itself and uh, the memory. So we've seen you know, huge strides of capability and, and scalability uh, for running SAP. But, but back then, it's very, very restricted use cases. Uh, matter of fact, when we started working with the public cloud, 
uh, provider. The first uh, one that we announced and you know was uh, part of the certification process. Uh, there was only three use cases for all the SAP applications, of which there's dozens that could op that I could uh, could run the cloud at that time. And now it's you know nearly 100 that uh, applications are fully supported from SAP. Interesting. How do you see you know this this move to cloud native or digital transformation have to really change the way that corporate IT teams think about their SAP implementation? You know, you mentioned HANA, HANA being a pretty you know key real time memory database for reporting and analytics, but that's just one piece mm -hmm. of this bigger puzzle. How do you see that all kind of fitting together as part of their cloud journey and cloud migration for these programs? So we saw a lot of interest from companies that were going to make the move to HANA. They had to buy new servers, so it made sense at that time to say, hey, if we're going to make this investment. Maybe we look at public cloud as, as an alternative here. So we saw that as a, a, a natural um, deciding factor to look at cloud. Now, uh, to your point about the digital transformation and looking at digital native apps, building it native in cloud, I think, you know, and you probably know better myself what year it happened, but it seems like it was two or three years ago where actually it became easier to procure apps in the cloud than actually buy them and download them you know, and, and license them uh, for an on-premise solution. So we actually see all the new solutions, uh, if they're going to put in a new version of SAP in, in an application, or uh, if they're gonna use a SaaS application from a company that SAP has purchased, um, you know, those are all cloud native now. So we've seen that where it's basically all the new technologies that are pulling customers into cloud, it, it, those, we're seeing a, a force from that where it's, it's pushing customers to look at cloud. And then we have, Customers that have been up to now, you know, you could call on-premise native. They've they've had their own private data centers or maybe third-party providers for all these years. Now they have a compelling reason because these other apps are now SaaS solutions or native in cloud that they want SAP to be there also. So it's uh, it certainly has changed the game on how we solution, you know, in architect solutions, you know, for for every customer. So how much of SAP is a thick client-based versus web-based, and what? What do you think makes up the majority of the workload when you're considering moving it to the cloud? I'd say, you know, all the new apps that have been built, let's say in the last five to seven years from SAP, they're being focused upon, uh, as you say, the cloud native uh, technology. Uh, this be, you know, this can include the SAP cloud platform. Uh, that includes uh, applications as S4 HANA that actually can run natively in the cloud. And the, the, the big challenge at SAP, in my opinion, what they've had is they have such a, a tremendous customer base that is already running in their own data centers, SAP in their own data centers, and the challenge is to make that transition. And being that they're you know, not just the number of uh, customers and the number of SAP systems each of those customers has, but it's just the tremendous volumes of data and the dependency that their whole business has on SAP as the lifeblood of the organization, not just as the data itself, which is obviously very important, and there's all the businesses and the groups that are dependent upon the data, but also the processes that SAP uh, software uh, forces that customer, and I should say forces, but it requires best practices to be followed, and so the, the great uh, capabilities of SAP with that integrated solution, and I think just the nature of that makes it hard for it to be moved, so many of the transformations that uh, we are introduced to, uh, we are looking at you know, a, a timeline of perhaps a year or more to do this transition to go to public cloud. So that, uh, you know, a lot of questions around how best to transform, move these systems over. And so I think that's been one of the biggest challenges 
uh, for customers to adopt public cloud. And, and that gets into what we see as the best scenarios to go, and, and I can go into more detail on that later. But um, the, the, the full transformations, which we do see quite a bit more of, uh, those are very complicated projects. Those are pretty much our specialties because we've been doing this for many years before the cloud existed to move uh, SAP systems you know, from one data center to another. So I think you know, the complexity of moving to public cloud is, is um, getting those non-cloud native applications into the cloud and then looking at the transformation of those, those applications once they're in cloud. So I think we're, we're sort of at the first phase of that, um, that movement. And now it's looking at the transformation once someone's in the, in the cloud, then they can look at transformation. Specifically, I could go into uh, S4HANA. S4HANA is uh, an application that SAP introduced a few years ago. It's the next generation of the application. Many customers are looking at doing what we call an as-is move, uh, meaning they can uh, try to keep that application in all of its dependencies. So the operating system that SAP runs upon, the database, keep that all the same move the application and all the dependencies into the cloud with minimal change, uh, minimize risk, and then look at transformation once they're in the public cloud. So that can be looking at other solutions for uh, data warehousing, looking at uh, solutions around how they can better integrate into native apps in the cloud. So we see this transformation of as-is move and then the transformation while that customer's in the cloud. You mentioned how critical the availability of SAP is to the businesses that have adopted it. How has COVID impacted SAP-based clients and, and how has it changed their approach to cloud migration perhaps? Yeah, we, we've actually seen an acceleration of customers looking to cloud uh, due to COVID. Uh, literally like the day one, you know, middle of March when shutdowns started occurring in the States, we saw an, an uptick in our customers and a few new customers that were looking just uh, to extend their desktop manageability. So the solutions that the cloud providers have on putting a VDI solution, so a virtual desktop that all their customers, all their users can very quickly use the cloud. Uh, connect through internet and get a session to connect to SAP. So they can connect to what's called the SAP GUI, that's a, a thin client, and, and they can access their SAP system. So we saw an uptick literally the first day when people started working remote. Um, you, know, you saw the uptick on Zoom uh, usage and Microsoft Teams, and then we saw likewise the uptick in all the accessibility of how customers can access their systems, even if they're on-premise. So that was like the first wave, I'd say, within the first few weeks, and, and that's continued since March. You know, Now we're in August, so what is that, four and a half months, we've seen a continuation. The other thing I, I think that um, just naturally, what we've noticed naturally occur is now companies are very interested in their high availability and their business continuity. A lot of companies had no plans, at least this year, next year to go to cloud. Now we see that interest to look at uh, doing their disaster recovery system. And maybe not just their most important system, their ERP system, but their ancillary systems, their CRM system, um, their portal, their web access systems, all these systems to be uh, connected and you know have it fully available in the cloud as a backup. So we've seen a, a natural interest in what is good practice in general to have a business continuity uh, protecting those uh, those processes to protect those very important you know SAP and computer systems. So I guess there's a bit of a rush to help enable these companies who were forced to work from home. Mm -hmm. For the customers who have more time to prepare, what should they do in order to prepare for the migration to the cloud? So we focus a lot of time on how best to prepare for what we call the journey, the transformation journey. And, and it really first starts with uh, looking at that customer environment. Um, and we've really extended our scope uh, you know, in the last few years on this topic. Uh, initially, we looked very narrowly about the SAP systems themselves 
uh, looking at how they're running in their on-premise or third-party hosted environment and looking at the sizing of those systems, looking at all the versions, uh, looking at all the um, interdependent systems that that customer has. In fact, five, seven years ago, we would actually have two of our experts go on site for a few weeks and actually do this assessment, interview people, look at the systems themselves, come up with a plan, you know, best way to move these systems. Uh, what we've been focusing on the last, you know, almost handful of years, three, four years, is doing an assessment that we can provide the customer uh, that they can perform him or herself. This includes uh, tools that can do discovery, looking at not just the SAP systems, but non-SAP, basically coming up with the answer on their own through our tooling, which we call FlexBridge. So within FlexBridge, we can provide them an assessment, uh, a very quick high-level estimate of cost of the timeline, provide a, a diagram of what that's gonna look like in the public clouds, as well as uh, provide them the, the go forward and the capability that they can update their plan with more information. So the assessment is a critical piece. And the, the best part I think about it, not only is the speed, but also the guidance that this is the right answer. You don't have to look at um, you know, doing all these other upgrades, changing applications. This is the best way forward to quickly reap um, you know, a good return on your investment going to cloud and, and doing it with you know, very little risk and very little time to get there. So when you know you go through this assessment, you've determined the right components, the right architecture. How do you choose the right cloud for this particular um, SAP deployment? Is there is there a certain preference you see in certain cloud vendors, or do you typically go with uh, the vendor of choice that the company has? Or if they don't have a vendor, what do you go with? We, we get this question a lot lately. What we see now, and it, it, I think this is a very recent development in the last six months, is that most companies that come to us have already worked with a cloud. So they already have uh, compute already there and they want to integrate it to that. So certainly we want to respect you know, the decisions and, and they already have infrastructure and investment in that specific cloud. So that's been an easier question for us to answer. I want to say easier because the customers really already started that. Um, we, there is companies out there that do the comparisons of clouds, uh, being that we're partners with, with the cloud providers, with many cloud providers, it's a, you know, we, we prefer not to get in the business of comparing them. Um, being that there's tools out there and we think that's a um, well-educated space you know, for, for providers out there. Um, we, our job is we see as to provide the very best services for SAP on the respective cloud. So typically we get those questions from, um, you know, the questions we get from a customer is how best should we be able to run SAP in this, in this public cloud? It's more pointed. Um, so it, it makes the job a little easier for us because it's, it's you know, um, not to say one's not better than the other, but we see the features uh, quickly come to parity where we'll have one of the competing clouds against their competitors will come up with a feature and very soon after you know we'll have parity in those um, you know in those features i joke it's the coke versus pepsi it's the, <laughs> it's the you know it's the two challengers and people certainly have biases you might prefer pepsi because it's a little sweeter versus the you know the, the tang of coke but it, people have very strong opinions on each side and um, you know we, we try to satisfy as best we can so we have we keep our certifications up on you know the providers um, try to keep our team up with all the new developments which in of itself is always a challenge we did a thorough review for one of our customers last week I mean the updates that literally came out a week before were enabling this for I'll, I'll go into specifics just you know in case the audience members are curious so for specifically we're looking at HANA and how um, the cache should be set for the drives how uh, how the the raid should be set up 
as well as the sizing. So really nice thing, and SAP's done a great job. They have very good standards of how the software should be installed and executed, which makes our job easier because there's a good rule set you have to follow. What SAP's done with both Microsoft Azure as well as AWS is they've literally made it prescriptive where they say, here's the system and the exact drives or file systems that you install. They should be set up with these exact drives and, and um, drive IOPS in type of drives in the quantity. So it makes our job very easy, but uh, easy to make sure we get it right and make sure we're in full compliance. Yet the challenge is to make sure we always have that right information because it gets updated quite often. We go back to our alliance partners and making sure within our team to make sure we always have the current information, which is that that becomes a challenge. Yeah, as a, as a host of a, a podcast that talks about the news uh, from three cloud providers every week, I, I feel your pain <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, on that one. It's the most exciting part of the job because you're always learning. It's also the most intimidating part because you don't know what you don't know. Um, but it's a great space. It's, you know, and it, it's, it reminds me of the 90s when we had the browser wars that it's like every single week there's a new feature and you know, it's, it's a very exciting time. Typically you see enterprises on Azure or AWS predominantly. Have you seen uh, Google Cloud a lot more in the conversation now since you know, they've brought in a lot of SAP leadership uh, into their sales team, into their executive ranks, as well as just the maturity of their cloud has come up a lot in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Do you see that that's becoming more of a common play for SAP workloads to the GCP or do you think it's pretty balanced still? We do see GCP being discussed more. Uh, we, we do still see the prominent uh, discussions are with you know Azure and AWS. But yeah, GCP is certainly gaining speed. And you know, with Rob Enslin joining their group many you know a couple years ago, year and a half ago, certainly that's bringing a lot of thought leadership to that group. Obviously, Google knows how to do cloud, so certainly they will be making strides here in the in the future. So for customers that don't have a presence in the public cloud already, are they moving to the, the SAP HANA cloud offering or are there advantages in moving to one of the public cloud providers? What we've seen most, and maybe it's our bias because our, our focus has been moving on-premise into public cloud, but that's pretty much what we've seen almost 100% is that customer wants to take their existing footprint all their SAP applications, and when I say all of them, just to give you perspective, usually when we are doing a migration, a, a small landscape would be 50 servers, um, and you know it's it's not uncommon that we see 500. So 500 servers, meaning these are really well good sized systems. They're you know a minimum of um, you know 60 gigs of RAM, a uh, couple terabytes of data, and so they're quite sizable systems. So. Our, when I say our bias, pretty much we've, what we've only seen is those, those examples of on-premise large customer environments moving to public cloud. I'm sure there is adoption in SAP has numbers on the S4 HANA on the public cloud, which is a quite a different application. I can go into a little more details on what the differences are with those. It's a little more restrictive, uh, meaning that you don't have the full capabilities to customize the application and update the code. So for example, if you wanted to come up with your own um, way to do invoicing for uh, your plants or you, know, you want to create a custom app within SAP, uh, the on-premise solution is very well versed in doing that. That application has been around for over 30 years, has a lot of great uh, support functions to be able to uh, allow you to extend that, you know, not, only, not only update code, but also update the, the business processes. Whereas the public cloud option, is a little more uh, specific. So it says, you know, you have some choices, but instead of having 400 options to do invoicing, you have these five. And so um, not to say it's only simpler businesses can run it, but I think the Fortune 1000 companies have still seen the power is having that software where you buy the license and you can run it yourself. 
in quotes. And that means, you know, you take your on-premise license and put it in public cloud. So it's a little, the naming of it's a little confusing, but customers that run ERP in the public clouds, they're running it with the, you know, the on-premise license is what it was called. That's where we still see the vast majority of the interest because you see the reports that um, SAP continues to sell more and more public cloud licenses. Um, it's, it's hard to unpeel how much of that is S4HANA on the cloud because there's SAP Cloud Platform, which is more integration of putting web services, cloud web services, and integrating those technologies into on-premise or SAP solutions in public cloud. So um, it's hard to unravel how much is going for S4HANA, the application in public cloud versus these other apps that SAP has. I've been involved in a couple of SAP implementations in my career, and I think those customers would have been served well by the more restrictive um, features of S4 because uh, people get tied up in thinking they need to customize everything even though they don't. Mm-hmm. Happy to see that product be released. Yeah, and it, it, does, it certainly has a, a, you know, a, a need in the market. I've heard from SAP uh, when they stop by you know, at trade shows and they'll ask about what we can do with the on-premise looking at moving those systems into public cloud. A lot of questions around the assessment I have you know, for their teams and they, they, they're working on those pieces now, meaning can you take can you do an assessment of an on-premise system and how would that fit into public cloud? So I think uh, when I say in, in the in the S4 HANA, you know, public cloud option, what I this is my impression is SAP is really targeting that solution for new customers to SAP. You know, so that, that's my impression that they would it's a net new customer that doesn't have SAP today, taking that existing SAP system and, and transitioning that into S4 HANA in the cloud seems like that's not been a target for SAP yet. So given the, the requirements of the software in general, lots of memory, lots of disk, mm-hmm. what lessons have you learned developing these processes for cloud migrations? There's so many. So fortunately, you know, as I mentioned, there's a lot of great standards and best practices that not only SAP has provided us, but also the cloud providers. So we rely heavily on those, and they've gotten a lot better over time because, you know, as we mentioned, the new products and new ways of doing it certainly come out over time. Um, what we've learned is, you know, how to better utilize, you know, we talk about hybrid cloud and typically I think that term usually is connecting public cloud and those assets back to the on-premise. But I also see, you know, this integration of the cloud native capabilities. So I'll give an example around uh, the load balancers. So uh, you have a load balancer that's native in AWS or Azure and now you can integrate that or even possibly replace what SAP calls the SAP Web Dispatcher. So the Web Dispatcher will do load balancing over multiple uh, web servers, as well as it provides an HA capability. So there's a performance gain and you know, a reliability, availability gain. And we get questions now from customers that are moving to the public cloud saying, hey, can we possibly replace that function with that software with this cloud native uh, service? And so we see more and more of that in, in companies getting smarter on how we can utilize uh, those cloud native technologies into the SAP uh, solutions. So we see quite a bit of that as well as, I think one of the, the greatest uh, you know, advancements we've seen over the last decade of working in public cloud is just the, the enhancements of high availability capabilities. So sharing of disk you know, with uh, elastic file systems um, you know, it's, it, it enhances our way that we can solution high availability with the best of what cloud provides where you have you know, abundant cloud resources over geographies where you can protect that data. So if there's a failure in one region, 
uh, it can easily fail over to another. And one of the questions we like to ask our guests is how they feel about multi-cloud and and really uh, cloud lock-in in general. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think you're in a very unique situation because SAP is a very large form of lock-in <laughs> for many, yeah. many enterprises. Um, you know, how does the multi-cloud lock-in concern play in an SAP workload? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I the first thought that went in my mind when you talked about multi-cloud is that the idea of having one cloud uh, where you have a production system and fail over to another cloud for your DR is uh, is a beautiful idea because if you're thinking of worst case scenarios where a system will fail, um, you know it's possible that there's a systemic cloud failure within a vendor. Um, so it not only protects you, you got to think of the geography, you got to think if there's you know some kind of threat or geographic risk. Of, you know, with a natural disaster, but also thinking of maybe there's a you know a human factor within a cloud provider that takes out uh, something within that provider. So when I think of uh, multiple cloud providers, I, I instantly think of the advantage of doing you know that as uh, a failsafe, where you could have a cloud, um, you know, and then back up your DR to the other cloud. Uh, to answer your question on lock-in, um, there is you know we still see tremendous energy from SAP, at least this is my impression, for all the cloud providers. Um, there was a big announcement, obviously, earlier, when was it last year already, with Embrace for Microsoft, uh, yet you know, we still see a lot of momentum with AWS and you know, announcements that new products are coming out and support, obviously, by SAP. I mean, SAP, one of the brilliant things that they did through the 90s is that the capability that they had this middleware that could run in any, well, not any, but almost any operating system and database, which I thought was just so brilliant that you know they were abstracted all the complexities of different OSs and databases and made this application uh, sit on top of their middleware. So I think that, that philosophy is sort of in the native DNA of SAP. This, let's build this application that literally can run anywhere. And I think... Obviously, they're trying in many ways to get this new platform, the cloud, to get these apps to run there. And it's, I think, you know, as we mentioned and discussed already, the complexity of that is, you know, these systems are quite complicated. They're quite large. There are a lot of users, so just the movement of that's going to take a while. But it seems, you know, some of it's been through purchase, you know, through uh, success factors where they they purchased SAP, purchased a cloud native app. You know, they're they're getting that capability, and and I would think they're pulling that expertise, that knowledge, the capability of the app into the other um, other applications SAP is building. So in the in the case of that multi-cloud example you gave where potentially you use one cloud as the primary and another cloud as a DR, um, are there specific things around SAP that you need to think about from how you architect that that Proterra has done and it can help with? Yeah, and, and, and matter of fact, and I mentioned earlier on that, you know, how does a customer start? Where's the the, the use cases that make the most sense if a company has not looked at cloud at all. I I mentioned early on that the assessment makes a lot of sense. That's a good place to start. Yet also, it's looking at the use cases that you want to start with, period. And I think the DR example, that's actually the first place we started with uh, public cloud back in 2011. One of our very first, uh, well, we we did a production system, which was a new uh, implementation at the time in 2012. And then literally the next project was a company that had a uh, 15-year-old version of SAP. It was no longer in support. It had a very old version of the database and operating system. And this company always failed their audit checks because they never had DR. So we were ecstatic that we were finally able to provide a very low-cost, you know, better solution than even on-premise to put their DR system into AWS at the time. This is 2012. And so 
Um, it was wonderful in that we could do this very cost effectively and most importantly protect that environment for the customer and they, they got to pass their audit. And so that was that was a really good starting point to then pretty much not just you know, if a company does not have DR period, but if you have DR, but you're only doing your most uh, important system. Now we, we went through a whole wave in the 2010s where we could take every customer production system and put that DR into cloud. And that's what we did. So that, that becomes a standard offering for us. Um, to answer your question fully, you know, what, how do we recommend uh, DR and do it protecting those systems? We've actually made it to the point in our FlexBridge tool where it's self-service. The customer can literally use our tool to provision the target and set up replication, and in some cases, take no outage on their source environment at all. So, um, and, and this is a great uh, enhancement SAP provides with HANA. They have a, a wonderful technology called HANA System Replication, where it replicates uh, the system very efficiently. Um, it can be done with no downtime on the source environment, and it can copy that into the into a cloud. So it's it's a, a our recommendation for doing a DR system very quickly. You know, building that. Uh, for not only their ERP system, but any SAP system they have. Sort of our go-to now, that's our standard of how best to start with the cloud. And, and it, the nice thing about this is it, not just from the standpoint of ease of use, ease of setting it up, um, low cost of having DR, but also the nice thing about the DR in the cloud is that it's very easy with the cloud native characteristics where we can copy systems very quickly, we can scale them up. It, it lends itself very nicely for DR testing. So we can build a, a whole environment from those replicated, we call seeds. You know, so every system has a replication. Every system can then be copied, and then you can scale it up to its uh, proper production size. Because when you're replicating, you would keep it at a smaller size, so it's very cost effective. So not only is the DR a great benefit, but also the testing. So it's a, it's a, it's a basically a two-for-one deal where you can set up a system in the cloud for DR and you get all those benefits. So we've seen a lot of lot of adoption around that, especially for uh, new customers to cloud. Uh, I know a lot of larger SAP customers work in um, sort of compliance-heavy industries, whether it's mm -hmm. uh, security or healthcare or any kind of compliance. Yeah. Have you worked with customers who are who are sort of who have requ specific requirements in the cloud, and have the cloud providers been able to deliver on those requirements? We have customers that do a lot of work with. Uh, defense industry uh, with military, so ITAR requirements that comes in. Uh, we have a few customers that have those requirements that we fulfill, and, and actually doing those in the cloud, we found to be a better answer than doing them on premise. And it's it's become in part of our solutioning and discussions with customers. That's become a very important piece, you know, just on security, not just in the application security, but all the physical security around the data centers, around all the uh, the data. You know um, who owns the data, how it's uh, governed, how it's protected. Uh, so that's become a, a critical part of the solution. And we 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 have experts within our own team, and we certainly rely upon the expertise of the public cloud resources because it's it's an area that, you know, it's one of those areas I don't think you can over uh, overspend right now with the, you know the world that we live in and the 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 cost and the the price of data I should say keeping that uh, you know. Uh, with all the HIPAA uh, uh, protections and compliance for healthcare industry, uh, and you know all the the cost of the data for any financial uh, private you know, PIN information for credit card processing, uh, the cost of losing that data is tremendous not only for companies' reputation but also for the cost of business. So uh, it's a, it's a huge focus area that we've seen over the last five years only continue to increase. So we we certainly depend upon not only all the expertise that public cloud providers provide us as a partner, but also all their innovations. 
and uh, both the clouds that we work with, you know, have, have done a wonderful job in that. So we actually we we recommend instead of doing a an on-premise solution to actually do the public cloud for you know for any of those com complicated higher um, required you know compliance uh, solutions for data. So the customers who who are very heavily reliant on on uh, SAP, uh, are you able to to do a sort of zero downtime? Migration, or is there always a mm -hmm. disruption? Nope. It's, it's, we certainly can do the the transformation with zero downtime. Uh, where things get a little more complicated is with the other transformations that a customer wants to do, perhaps at the same time. Uh, it was is interesting because one of the very first cloud migrations we did, uh, we took a customer that had on-premise ERP, and we transformed them to HANA, and they moved to the public cloud at the same time. And moving to HANA required them to upgrade their operating system. Uh, going to HANA was obviously a different database, and they did a different platform. So that one actually required about a five-hour outage. Uh, and the, the, the kicker on that one was that it was a financial institution, so there's a lot of compliance and requirements around security and, and movement of data for that. But uh, for to answer your question, zero downtime is certainly um, certainly very very possible uh, especially if if you know there's not as many transformations occurring at the same time meaning if we're not changing the operating system database or, or SAP if there are there there is minimal downtime that would be required for those changes but we've gotten quite creative how even we can do those uh, even with uh, no downtime so it, it does certainly vary with each solution and what the what the source they're coming from but we've seen you know back in the days, the majority, if not all, of our migrations were done through physical tape, where we would put the data on a tape or a drive. Many migrations, because of the sake of time, we would actually board a, a flight, so we would have it orchestrated so we could get that minimal time to transfer the data. And now, I can't think of the last time we did that. It's been at least five, maybe six years ago, where we actually carried physical media to uh, move the data. Now, because the internet speeds have in increased you know, worldwide, that we can now rely upon not only the, the broadband speed increase, but also uh, the, the capabilities of the replication where we can do uh, seeding over a large period of time and uh, do everything over the internet. Probably one of the most transformative factors of moving the cloud, in my opinion, has been that piece, the move, the ease of uh, moving data to the cloud. As customers move to the cloud, they tend to adopt automation infrastructure as code, and the old-fashioned ops of the data center have really changed. How does this affect HANA deployments or, or S4 deployments? Yeah, so we, we certainly see more and more questions around continuous innovation and continuous delivery and, and the integration of the DevOps infrastructure as code to build systems that, to keep versioning of uh, how those systems are built and uh, all the components of them. Within our FlexBridge platform, we focused around the best practices, I've, as I've mentioned, for the cloud providers and SAP and how those systems should be built. So we actually, in the software, provide templates of building a HANA system. Customer can build their own, or they can use the building within FlexBridge, automate the build as a target that they can move in from their on-premise system. Uh, as well as the automation of building systems, uh, it's also you know the subscription, the account itself within within the cloud, uh, as well as the orchestration of all events. So this includes uh, the building of antivirus software, installing that into the system, uh, installing uh, monitoring software, installing uh, the backups. So if they have a enterprise solution or if they're going to use cloud native tools, integrating those into uh, that you know the SAP systems that they are building, and then also uh, looking at basically the lifecycle events, um, meaning a change management, 
um, how those systems are changing over time, monitoring that. So if a operating system is updated uh, and it's not going through proper change management, the tool will actually track that and notify that changes are occurring without you know, proper changes being recorded. And then also an area that's a uh, paramount concern for everyone is around spend. So we, we've spent a lot of time in, in the transformation assessment, looking at what it's gonna initially cost and how much it's gonna take to run. But we're also looking at uh, how we can optimize that over time. Uh, this can include you know, pre-buying compute as well as looking at um, what type of storage and what type of instances are running for, for the cloud assets. So all that is part, the automation, the orchestration, the spend optimization is all considered within FlexBridge to make sure that SAP assets are running the best and they're optimally provisioned within the cloud. Awesome. If a company is listening to this podcast and is interested in moving to the cloud with their SAP workloads, how do they get it started with Proterra? How do they reach out? Easiest way is to go to our website. It's Proterra, P-R-O-T-E-R-A.com. And right from that first page, you can click in there. You can get a free assessment. We're going to look at your environment, make a recommendation, give you a timeline, price of uh, cost to migrate. We'll actually give you the price of what it's going to take to run in the cloud. That's an area that uh, the question that was earlier posed about how best to run the SAP system in the cloud. Companies may have a larger system they even actually need, so we're going to right-size that, look at maybe we can uh, make it smaller systems as well as the amount of systems, the amount of servers that are going to be used uh, in the public cloud. So we're going to look at the best solution so it's most cost-effective for the customer. Happy to do that assessment and then uh, see what the next steps uh, are. And if the customer just wants to even start with a DR system or do a proof of concept system or just needs you know, a little guidance on what's available from SAP for cloud products and how best to start if they're looking for uh, a new solution. Happy to help in any way. Um, I didn't mention it, but Proterra has been around for 22 years, since 1998. So we've been around the SAP space focused primarily in SAP, uh, yet we can do other uh, applications outside SAP that are integrated. Our core focus is always SAP. So happy to help in anything SAP related uh, to make, make the most of your investment and run it the best in the public cloud. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for joining us here on the uh, TCP Talks, and uh, we love uh, to learn a little bit more about SAP and, and everything that enterprises have to do to make this migration happen. So really appreciate you coming and joining us. we love to have you on again in the future. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate the offer, and it's been pleasures all over the mind. Thank you. Take care, guys. Visit thecloudpod.net to subscribe to the show, join our Slack channel, or sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can also find information on reaching our audience through a CloudPod sponsorship opportunity. A big thank you to today's guest and thank you for listening.